Hello, and thank you for listening to this CD from River of Life Church. If you enjoy this disc, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit riveroflifefl.com. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Dr. Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. Hallelujah. Let you in on a little secret. Not only did he die on that cross, not only was he resurrected out of that grave, but hallelujah, he's coming back. Amen. If you've got your Bible this morning, would you take it and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And as you're turning, I want to thank uh, all of you for being here today, especially our pastor, Brother Henry, uh, for allowing me this opportunity to come and preach to you. I love preaching he knows that and to get an opportunity to come and stand in this pulpit means that he has to sit down and there is nothing a preacher hates any worse in the world than having to sit and listen to another preacher but I love my pastor and I thank him for this opportunity you've got your bible first Thessalonians and we're in chapter number four and if you'll begin reading with me if you will please in verse number 13 The Bible says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those that are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others that have no hope. Have you ever thought of that? There are literally people that are dying this very moment that have no hope. They're praying that everything you and I believe is a lie. Their only hope, if it is a hope, is that everything that Christ did in all of the Bible is a myth. But the Apostle Paul was not persuaded in that vein. In fact, he says, beginning in verse 14, he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which have fallen asleep in the Lord Jesus Christ will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede or prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with a trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which also are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with him. Wherefore... Comfort one another with these words. It is referred to as the blessed hope. The moment when Jesus shall appear and remove the true believers to their heavenly home. I personally believe that this appearing is going to happen in two phases. First and foremost, I believe he's going to come as a thief in the night. First Thessalonians 5 and verse number 2 says that. It's going to be a secretive coming which he's going to collect in the church, his jewels, and take them uh, to heaven. But then he's coming back the second time. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 7. The Bible says, Behold, the day is coming when the Lord Jesus Christ shall come from heaven with a shout, and all, every eye is going to see him. It won't be secretive then. Every eye is going to behold him. 
It's this first coming that I wish to address my comments this morning. I have to be very careful uh, when preaching on prophecy because I realize that not everybody believes the same way I do. And I really want you to believe and understand that I respect your, you know, position, even if it's wrong. I was preaching on the radio several years ago now in in Perry, uh, WPRY. I know you listen to it all the time. Uh, I had a daily radio show where I was uh, doing a prophecy uh, for four days, Monday through Thursday. And then on Friday, we had a call-in, and uh, a live call-in. Don't ever do that. A lady called on the telephone. We were talking about those prophetic messages, and uh, she called on the telephone, and and I said, yes, ma'am. I recognized her voice. And uh, she said, Brother Bill, I just want to tell you, I'm loving these pathetic messages you're bringing on the radio. (laughs) True story. When you think about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the first thing that you have to realize is that the appearing will be a scriptural event. In your Bible, the 66 books of your Bible, the 1,189 chapters in your Bible, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned over 1,800 times. 318 times in the New Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament. There are over 1,500 references to the second coming of Christ in the Old Testament. One out of every 25 New Testament verses directly refers to the second coming of Jesus Christ. For every time the Bible mentions the first coming, His birth, it mentions the second coming eight times. Of the 216 chapters in the New Testament, there are over 300 references to the return of Christ. His return is mentioned in 23 of the 27 New Testament books and Jesus Christ Himself refers to His second coming 21 times with over 50 references or warnings, if you will, telling us to watch and be ready. When He comes, is coming according to this book. So we need to know what's in the book. Somebody say amen. Amen. What a day, what an hour for God's people to pour themselves into the Word of God because it's the Word of God alive in us that brings light to a lost and dying world. His coming, His coming is going to be a very scriptural event, but I must hurry on and say that His coming is also going to be a set event. My dad came and listened to me preach. I was preaching in Panama City. This has been probably, uh, I don't know, 30 years ago. I had the privilege of preaching on the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came after the service was over. He said, Bill, he said, when I was a little boy, he said, I went to church and the preacher preached on the second coming of Jesus. He said, when I got up and became an adult and I got saved, I went to church and the preacher preached on the second coming of Jesus. And now you've surrendered to the preach and, and, and you're preaching on the second coming of Jesus. I got a question. When's he coming? I said, Daddy, he's a whole lot closer than he was when you was a little boy. Matthew 13, 32, the word of God says, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the father and at that appointed time he'll tell his son go get your bride i would say quickly this morning this appearing not only is a scriptural event not only is it a set event this appearing will be a sure event you can count on it how you know preacher 
Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Bible says, who never committed a sin, never was there guile found in his mouth, made this statement. John 14, verse number 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what? I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Hallelujah! Amen! He was resurrected. He walked upon the earth for 40 days. He ate with the disciples, seen of over 500 at one time. He took them outside of Jerusalem, standing there upon the mount. He began to give them that great uh, commission one more time. Acts 1, verse number 8. He says, you shall receive power, dunamis, dynamite. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the world. And as he was standing there, verse number 10 says, he began to ascend up into heaven. And I wasn't there. I know some of you think I'm old enough I could have been there. I was not there, okay? But I can tell you what they said. As they saw Jesus go off up into heaven, they looked and said, Wow! How you know that's what they said? What would you have said if you would have been there? You've never seen anything like this. Acts 1.11, the Bible says, There stood by them two men in white apparel. They said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing? Look what it says. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into the heavens, shall so come again in like manner as you've seen him go into the heavens. It is a sure event. Let me quickly say to you that not only is his coming a scriptural event, a set event, a sure event, but his appearing will be a sudden event. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 52. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way. He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. In 1958, how many of y'all alive in 1958? Oh, I feel so old. In 1958, a brand new word was introduced into the English-speaking people. The United States government, and you know we always spend money correctly. We commissioned a bunch of scientists to divide a second. And the, the, the scientists got together and they split this. They, they divided, mathematicians came in there, and they divided a second down to the one billionth of a second if you were to write it out on a piece of paper it would be a decimal point followed by 64 zeros and the number one and they call it a nanosecond first time we'd ever use that word now i know that some of your translations have translated the word that paul used in the king james version twinkling into a blink a twinkle is not a blink a blink is noticeable. A twinkle, I'll tell you what a twinkle is. It's a 16-year-old girl answering the telephone and hearing that boy's voice. <laughs> it is a lady with a man bowing on his knee in front of her hearing that question. 
that she's waited for forever. It's a twinkle in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying it's going to happen so fast you're not going to have time to get ready for it. You've got to stay ready all the time. Amen? Amen? You never know when he's coming. He could come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. I was reading an article the other day. And the article said this, and it brought this up. It said, in 1948, Israel became a nation. All of you know that. May of 1948. This is the 70th year. Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, 24th, 25th chapter, he said, these are the signs that you're going to look for. And one of the signs you're going to look for is the budding of the fig tree. Y'all remember that? And he said, this generation shall not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. Well, how long is the generation? I'm glad you asked. Psalms chapter 90, verse number 10. The word of God says the years of a man are to be three score and ten. And if by reason of strength, four score. That's 70 years. It's 70 years since the budding of the fig tree. Preacher, you're saying Jesus is coming? Yes! When? I don't know, but you're going to get ready. Are you trying to tell us it could be right away? Yes! In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. There's another thing I want to quickly add to this. This appearing is not only going to be a sudden event. This appearing for those who are lost will be a secretive event. You got your Bible there in front of you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look what he says, continuing the thought of chapter number 4. He says, but of those times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a, what is it, thief in the night. How does a thief come? He calls you on the telephone. Hey, Bill. Hey, what are you doing? I'm doing fine. This is a thief. And uh, we're thinking about breaking in on your place. And uh, what about 9 o'clock Thursday? Is that a good time for you? Well, no, why if he did that, you'd have the law there, you'd have your brother-in-law with a broomstick, you'd be waiting on him. A thief comes when you least expect him. A thief comes when you're no longer thinking. Apostle Paul said he's coming at a time when men think not. For years I was convinced that was Monday morning. Amen? Amen? Notice this secretive event. No, you got your Bible open there? It's only to those who are lost. Listen to what the Bible says. Verse number 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. But you, brethren, you're not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of the light, the children of the day. You are not of the night, not of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Let us watch and be sober. Here's the admonition about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for the church. Open your eyes. Watch what's going on around you. Do you know that in the New Testament alone, there are at least 27 different signs or seasons or signification telling us when Jesus Christ is going to come again? I'm not going to preach on all 27 of them this morning. Aren't you glad of that? Can I mention five real quickly, just passing? Jesus mentioned these. 
Listen, in your Bible, these are five things that you know are going to take place right before Jesus Christ comes again. The first is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through uh, 5 and following. He said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. In his commentary, Warren Wiersbe said that word perilous that's used there means exceedingly fierce. And it's used only one other time in all of Scripture, and that is referring to the demon of Gadara. Exceedingly fierce. In the following verses, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and following, there are 21 sins listed. Eight of those sins you commit against somebody else. Seven, six of those sins. Seven of those sins you commit against yourself. Six of those sins you commit against God, which actually all of them you commit against God. In those 21 sins, every one of them are prevalent in the world in which you and I live today. And Paul said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. There's a second sign I mentioned to you quickly. I call it the, sin, uh, the sign of the previous days. Jesus said in Luke's Gospel, the 17th chapter, he says, as it was in the days of Noah. You remember? Vile wickedness, so much so that God, when he looked at the earth, said, wickedness is so great it's come up before me. I'm going to destroy all the earth. And he saved Noah and his family. He says, as it was in the days of Lot. Do you remember? How vile and wicked it was in the days of Lot. He says, so also shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Here's a third one. The sign of the prophesied days. Matthew chapter 24, 32 through 35. He says, when you see the budding of the fig tree, Israel. Israel. Coming to be a nation again. Coming to fruition. That's a sign of the last days. Uh, Psalms. uh, The Bible says in the book of Psalms. 102, verse number 16. He says, when God begins to build up Israel, then he will come again with great glory. Look again at number four, the sign of what I refer to as the passive days. In the book of the Revelation, right before the rapture, I believe the rapture occurs in Revelation 4.1, and I know some of you won't agree with that, but that's all right. You can be wrong. Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1. John's on the Isle of Patmos. He hears a voice behind him saying, come up hither. And immediately he's in the Spirit. Chapter 4 and 5 is the great throne room of God. And they're worshiping. That's the reason I believe it's a rapture. But right before the beginning of chapter number 4, he concludes his writing to the church with the church of Laodicea. And he talks about it being the church of the last days. There are three prominent things about this church I want you to understand. First and foremost, they're self-satisfied. We don't, we don't need anything. Amen? We're rich. We're increased with goods. We don't need anything. Secondly, they were self-deceived. We don't need anything. And thirdly, they were Christless. Revelation 3.20 was never written to a lost man. It was written to the church of Laodicea. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Where is he? He's on the outside of the church if any man will open I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me are those things not happening in the church today do we not see churches that are self-satisfied we're happy with the group we've got we don't need to get any more do we not see churches that are deceived thinking that all is right in their world when the world is going to hell in a handbasket all around them do we not see churches devoid of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ I can tell you by traveling across this country, the river of life is a unique phenomenon. We come in here and we worship. We feel the power of God move. Dear friend, it's not like that in every church. I heard of a church the other day where a man had a heart attack, 
one of the leaders of the church, they called the paramedics and they took four out before they got the right one. Some of them are just that dead. Hello? The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This event should be, for those of us who are saved, a sanctifying event. Listen to what John wrote, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. He says, Behold, what manner of love, thank God for that, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, talking to the church, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. We shall see him as he is. Listen to this. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Oh, it's a constant daily purification of the temple that brings God honor and glory. Look again, if you will, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 11. Seeing then that all these things should be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Speaking to a man recently, and I said, you know that there is within the Bible a, 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 a cause, a, a desire of God for us to be conformed in the image of God, to be conformed to the image of Christ, and to live godly, to be transformed. He said, you're legalistic. I said, I'm not legalistic, I'm just scriptural. Amen? Have you read 1 Peter lately? 1 Peter chapter number 1, the word of God says, As he who hath called you is holy, so be you holy. In all manner of conversation, in all areas of my lifestyle, I'm striving to be like Jesus. I'm not satisfied with being what I once was. I want to be transformed into a new man in Christ Jesus. Last thing, and I'm through. I hate it when, when I'm preaching and some people get finished before I do. <laughs> this event not only is going to be a scriptural event and a sure event and a sudden event, a secret event, a separating event. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, and we're seeing it paraded on our televisions every day. Only he who now let will let until he be taken out of the way. And then will that, and in the King James Version, it's a capital W, wicked one be revealed. I believe that's the Antichrist. He can only be revealed when he who holdeth, when he who letteth is taken out of the way. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's Revelation 19. Verse number 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness, able to make you believe a lie and unrighteousness in who? Them that perish. Why do they perish? Because they believe not the love of the truth that they might be saved. All they had to do was just accept it. Just believe it. By faith, through grace. And yet they did not. Verse 11. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. You got your Bible open? Verse number 12. That they, 
What's the word? All. All might be damned. Your Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8 that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He saw me in my sin. He saw me in the vile wickedness of my thoughts and my deeds. And yet he loved me. He loved me so much that he was willing to let his son go to the cross and die for me. He resurrected that son to show me the power that he controls. He had that son go to glory and sit at the right hand of God the Father. To show me that he is sovereign, that he's God of all things. And then he comes to me through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And says, Bill, I did all this because I love you. And I did it for you. And I want you to believe in me. And then it becomes my choice. Not everybody who joins the church gets saved. Not everybody, unfortunately, that gets baptized gets saved. Not everybody that gets confirmed gets saved. In fact, what you'll find in your Bible in Matthew's Gospel, the 20th chapter, Jesus Christ doing the speaking, he makes this statement. He says, you shall know them by the fruits that they bear. Many, verse 21 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, in thy name we prophesied. That word means to preach or to teach. In thy name, Lord, we prophesied. In thy name we, we've cast out devils. I don't know if you've tried to do that lately. It takes a lot of faith to cast out demons. In thy name we've done many wonderful works. We taught life groups. We preached. We, we, we played instruments, we sang in the, 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 the uh, choir, we, 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 we've, we've kept the uh, nursery, we, we've taken up the offering, we, we've done it all. in thy name, we've done many wonderful works. It's the saddest verse in all of the Bible to me. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 23. These who are expecting to go to heaven will hear the Lord say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Can you imagine? Being in the river of life on a Sunday morning. Celebrating. Woo! Jesus comes. A trumpet sounds. The clouds roll away and... The dead in Christ rise, and those, those who are alive and remain are caught up, raptured, report to meet the Lord in the air. But you didn't go. You look around the auditorium. Your husband's gone. Maybe it's your wife. You look for these precious young children. They're not here. They're gone. And you sit there and wonder what in the world just happened.
I got a phone call last week. Lady on the other end said, um, "Do you mind meeting me?" I said, "Well, no. If you want to come to my office, that'll be fine." I mean, no, I can't come there. I knew this lady because I have had her play the piano in probably no less than 10, maybe even 15 different revival meetings. She said, uh, I really need to talk to you. I really, really need to talk to you. And I said, okay, uh, where would you like to meet? She said, I'm going to Tallahassee. I said, fine, no problem. Uh, I'll meet you at one of the restaurants up there. Pick a restaurant. We picked a restaurant we met. I sat there. She came in. I hugged her neck just like I hugged many of your necks. She sat on the other side of the table. 71 years of age. She said, you remember preaching at such and such a church last September? I said, yes, ma'am, I sure do. She said, you remember Tuesday night what you preached on? Yeah, right. <laughs> she began to tell me. She said, I came and I started playing the piano just like I always did. And as I was playing the piano, the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart, called me by name, and said, you're going to hell from a piano bench. She said, I knew right then that I was supposed to get up and come down there and talk to you about getting saved. I knew I was supposed to get up that very moment and come to that altar. But Brother Bill, I was playing the piano and, and, and I, I, I couldn't stop playing. You know, I, that's my job. And I didn't come. I was going to talk to you after the service, but I couldn't get up there where you were at. And then I went home. She said, it's been almost a year. My husband's died. My mother moved in with us. She got terminally ill in June of this year. She died, but I've never gotten away from that. Even though I haven't been going to church, I haven't been in church because of their illnesses. Brother Bill, I went to church last Sunday. And as always, they asked me to play the piano. And as soon as I sat on the bench, the Holy Spirit of God said, you're going to hell from a piano bench. She said, I've been playing the piano in church since I was a teenager. I've been the Women's Missionary Union director. I've been in more revivals than I can count. I've taught Sunday school. I've been baptized three times. But Brother Bill, I can tell you with all surety that I'm lost and I need to be saved. And in a restaurant in Tallahassee with people walking by looking at us like we were crazy, I took the Bible and walked her down the Romans road. With tears flooding through her eyes, she prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into her life. And then she made this statement. Then she made this statement. Brother Bill, I've prayed that prayer 20,000 times. But this time, this time I'm in it. Are you saved? See, my job is not to pastor you. We've got a wonderful pastor. My job is to ask you one question. Are you saved? If the rapture came in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, are you saved? Would you bow your head with me, please? Father God, I pray in Jesus.
Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.